Hello, everyone, and thank you for jumping in on this podcast. Uh, We are excited to have you listening to us, and we always welcome your feedback. My name is Daniel, lead pastor here at Peninsula. We're hoping you're having a blessed day, whether you're sitting at home, traveling in your car, on an airplane, wherever it may be. We're so glad that you chose to listen to this podcast. Uh, today, uh, we have joining with us Pastor Adam, Pastor Jeff, and Pastor Nate. Ayo. Yeah, that was Pastor Nate. Hello. So recognize there's Pastor Jeff and... Good morning. And there's or, Pastor wait, Adam. whatever time it is. <laughs> whatever time it is for them. Some of them may use this to go to sleep at night. We don't know. Uh, but <laughs> um, We're coming on a podcast today to talk a little bit about kind of a follow-up to podcast number 13. Um, where in episode 13, we talked about the homosexual lifestyle, and we, we talked about what Scripture said about it. But on the heels of that, after we finished that podcast, uh, we had a conversation about how families can love, don't, love on individuals who are making choices that are not biblical or God-honoring. And uh, it goes beyond... Uh, just the homosexual lifestyle. There's all types of things that people choose to do that are not biblical and uh, are not God-honoring. And so what I want to do today is kind of set the stage for uh, for us to be able to talk, and let's just discuss um, the ways that uh, we would recommend people uh, show compassion to a loved one uh, who's making poor decisions without... Um, losing the truth in their own life of, of what the Bible says. And, uh, you know, the discussion came on the heels of, of the last episode because of that. And if you haven't heard that episode, uh, you could just jump back to that. You don't have to listen to it before you listen to this one, but any order that you want to go in on that. But I do want to hear from you guys and give you an opportunity to just kind of talk through this a little bit because um, in, in working with, with folks, shepherding people, um, a lot of times they'll come and they'll say, hey, I just found this out about my son or my daughter, or I just found this out about a cousin or you know, my brother or whatever, and we have people coming to us and talking to us. And uh, you know, we know that there's, there's difficulty in changing people's hearts who are making poor decisions, but I think a loved one trying to love on someone who's making a poor decision, I believe the difficulty is the one who's receiving the quote-unquote correction feels judged, Mm-hmm. And then the the one who is trying to uh, redirect someone's life choices is trying to prevent them from feeling judged, but at the same time saying, I'm, st- I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. And then you've got on top of it a culture that is saying that any negative talk towards someone who's wanting to choose for themselves um, is hateful and should not be received. And so it's a it's a strange thing to try to navigate if you have someone in your life who is is trying to choose um, a, a lifestyle or anything that goes outside of the biblical call. So first, let's 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 kind of set ourselves free from saying that we're we're not only talking about the homosexual lifestyle, right? We're mm-hmm. not just talking about that. So let's kind of talk through what does it mean to step outside of the biblical mandate. How do we know when someone is doing something in their life that's not God-honoring? Anybody want to speak to that? I don't have anybody in mind to pick to go first, but somebody jump in. What What's the the litmus test that says, oh, that person's making a poor decision? Well, I mean, 
is not to sound obvious, but I mean, our litmus test is always going to be what scripture teaches. You know, the when we go to the scriptures, it's intended to give us the story of God, but also it's intended to give us how we should function, um, how we should live. And it's what's best for us. It's how God has set up the world around us. It's also a story of how we messed it up, but it is intended to give us kind of a God honoring way to live. Um, what we need for faith and practice, you know, those, those sort of things that Scripture is going to teach us. And we're going to see a lot of other things around us in terms of how we're told how we should live. Uh, you know, we talk about this sometimes at some of our milestone things we do. Take, you know, parenting, and, and this is the situation we're talking about family. Uh, the most minute details we can think of, you know, as a new parent about sleep or how your kid should eat there are untold number of opinions on those things and right. people who are very opinionated about them. But, you know, so we're going to say, you know, you're going to have opinions all around you, but the thing that is going to guide everything we need to do and how we live is going to be Scripture. It's not going to be what feels right. It's not going to be what we hear from other people around us. It's not going to be what we empathize with or just what, you know, we feel kind of, uh, and, and it is right for us to feel compassion to people, but not in a way that leads us to approve of something that Scripture clearly speaks against. Yeah, and I I was going to say that 2 Timothy 3.16, and you probably heard this verse, but just to read that and to back up what you just said, but all Scripture is breathed out by God mm-hmm. and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And this part here, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's good. I, I, I think litmus test-wise um, – We've spoken to, if you have a loved one that may be struggling or straying from God, but maybe you're sitting here listening, thinking, is that me? Like, am I outside of of God's will? And typically, uh, probably a good litmus test would be, um, what are you doing with God's word right now? If you're living outside of God's will, most likely you're avoiding God's word. You may use things like, I just don't have time right now or this thing, but at the core, you know you don't like what it says, or you're going further than that. You're looking for other voices who will interpret Scripture in such a way to okay what you're doing in a way that you know causes it to contradict with other Scriptures. So it's not a good interpretation of that Scripture. And so um, it's when we step outside of biblical authority, we know we're outside of biblical authority, and we've tried to either explain it away or we're just kind of avoiding it, wanting to believe that somehow things between us and God are still good. He will say things like, well, God understands, or I've prayed about this, but we can't really reconcile those things with what Scripture teaches. Mm -hmm. Which is, again, as we've talked about a few times in a few settings recently, going back to the beginning of Scripture, Genesis 3, where did all of kind of sin and rebellion come from? It's being this idea of doubt. Did God really say, is this really what's best? Is he holding back from you? Uh, and then a, a sense of, no, my way, I know this is clearly what God has said, but my way is what I feel like is right, and I'm going to follow it. That has been our pattern since Genesis 3 and what we continue to do. Yeah, so I, I hear you three, and um, what we're kind of nutshelling then is that everyone comes to the table blemished. Mm-hmm. No one comes to the table perfect, um, and and that can help us. So I think the first question, and we've kind of covered this in podcasts, you know, previous, but the first question is if someone is stepping outside of the biblical call, 
of honoring God with their lives, whatever it may be, whatever that sin may be. The first question is, are they truly a believer? Because that's the first place you need to go. Is And if you, you think, you know, 90% sure they are a believer, um, then that's a different way of working and showing compassion toward that person. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of want to say up front here that when, you've, when you're working with someone, trying to love on someone, trying to minister, disciple, whatever it is, that no person on earth has the power to change hearts. Mm-hmm. Only God can change hearts. And what we tend to do in our knee-jerk reaction to things that we uh, you know, are either going to judge or, or hate on, I guess you might say, mm-hmm. to use today's cultural terminology, um, it, it takes the focus off of God loving them and mm-hmm. it puts it on us not loving them. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where we miss a lot of times of, of what what we're doing. We think by the coming down hard or or hammering the truth on top of someone that it's going to change their heart, or at least we hope it is, right? So if I have a loved one in my life, uh, in, in my extended family, or if I have a neighbor that comes over and is talking to me about their lifestyle, you know, and I, I see that it's heading toward something that God said don't do because it's heading toward heartache and struggle and and you know destruction mm-hmm. my giving truth comes across as judgment but in my heart i'm actually trying to give them truth hoping they will hear the truth and change mm-hmm. because i don't want to see them hurting and i and i think that's where parents especially are mm-hmm. coming from they they want to come down on their child and say oh no you can't do that or you shouldn't do that or you're not going to do that or not while you're under my roof mm-hmm. those types mm-hmm. of things but it's because we want to see the best for the other person mm-hmm. and so how can we how can we frame that up though um, to still hold on to the truth and to give the truth to our loved ones but not come across as a sledgehammer, but to say to say it in love and compassion. I think to check our motive. I I I, I heard what you're saying as, um, if it's a loved one, especially if it's a loved one, we want what's best for them. We don't want to see them hurting. Um, <clears throat> that probably is at the core of part of what we're doing. But we have to make sure that our motive isn't also. This is an embarrassment. I'm a Christian, and because my loved one is choosing these things, um. I don't want other people to know about this, and so I'm trying to get them to change so that So the motive is to save yes. face. Yeah motive, yeah, motive is to save face rather than that, and they can see right through that. So mm-hmm. we got to check our motive first and let them know that we are proud. This is, I'm proud that this is my son. I'm proud that this is my daughter. I'm proud this is my nephew or niece or whatever. I'm proud of you, and not for the things you're choosing to do, but because I just I love you and I and I will always say mm-hmm. that I know you. I always but say I'm glad you were given to me. Is there a way though to separate? Because I've thought through this and I have my opinion on this. But is there a way for parents to separate that, especially if it's a child, right? So if if the child is choosing whatever it may be, just name anything that we know is not right. It's not becoming mm-hmm. of a Christian to act that way or to choose those things, um, the parent is going to be embarrassed because the parent is going to automatically own what did I do wrong. I, th- yeah. I think laying the groundwork in advance to let them know that no matter what you hit in life, the tempter's going to be there, um, temptation's going to be there in general, uh, even if Satan isn't around because he's not omnipresent, and 
the world and lust, everything's there. And in advance, if you are, you know, using that conversation, I've used this conversation with my kids when we find out somebody's pregnant, pregnant who's not uh, married, you know, to say, you know, that's outside of God's will and we have those conversations. But if you ever got to the point that you found yourself in the same situation, which is not our hope for you, not our desire for you, we want you to follow God's plan for sex and for marriage. We hope you know you could come talk to us about that and that nothing could stop the fact that we love you, no matter what lifestyle you end up in or whatever. Well, you know, I think that we respond like the prodigal's father. Statistically, we will see and understand that by the time a loved one comes and tells you what they have been doing in their lives, uh, they've been involved in it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of times parents find out from someone else. Uh, they'll say, hey, did you know your child? I saw this picture, saw that picture, what's going on there? And the parent starts going, oh, how did I miss that? Um, so the, the person's already been involved in it mm-hmm. along the way. But I hear what you're saying. You're saying yeah. it makes sure that you're talking about these things as they're growing. Yeah, Have those conversations along the way. One of, one of the things that I think, because um, my wife and I don't drink and I never have and so forth, that I had to go back and play catch up on was that as my son was growing up and hearing we don't do this because of this or us spl- explaining why somebody's acting some way in a in a TV show or movie um, because they're inebriated, that he heard this so much as that's what people who are doing the wrong thing do. And so I've heard his, um, early on, a few years ago, heard his response to when we're around people who happen to take a different approach on that and to try to bring him back to that grace side of it of, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We were not saying we don't like people who do such and such. We're saying we're making a choice for our family about a standard we're taking. And we have to we have to love people where they are, even if they're doing this. And so if they're hearing, he wasn't hearing that from me early on. He was hearing something I wasn't saying. He was perceiving it differently. That's not at all my heart towards people who just disagree in that area or, or practice differently in that area. But having to bring him back to, no, no, no. We love people, even if even if they're struggling with alcoholism, we love them where they are, and we're not going to treat them differently when they're around us or avoid them on purpose or things like that. And to, so it took me in a different path of discipleship with him to play catch up on groundwork I wasn't laying correctly. And so I kind of kind of saw that as a blind spot in my parenting that I could come back and help him understand that when people make different decisions or even sinful decisions, um, our place isn't, well, that's not what I would do. Well, and I think we set ourselves free if we will allow ourselves to understand that truth is outside of us. Mm -hmm. And the scripture that you read, Jeff, kind of points back to that, that, you know, be in the scripture, it's God breathed. That means Mm -hmm. that the truths in scripture came directly from him. It's not something that we Mm -hmm. pulled back and assessed on. Uh, My thought process is this. when nobody has a time machine, right? And uh, our, our lives... Or at least we don't have a flux capacitor to power the time machine. That's true. We're and I don't even it. have a DeLorean, so that's not going to work either. Great but Scott. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great. You guys could quote that. Maybe we should have a podcast on... <laughs> Where would we even quoting? get something that could have 1.21 gigawatts of electricity? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Real back to the process. Back to the thought process. That was almost a reference right there. Yes, I know. Back to the... Anyway, um, 
is that we don't have a time machine. We don't have the ability to go back and to correct things. And and I, I'll say to parents a lot of times, they'll say, we've reexamined. We, we don't know where we messed up. And I want them to walk free in Christ. And so my a lot of times my, my response will be, what's it going to do for you if you look back on the history of your life and you do find something that you did incorrect? There's no way to go back. What you need to do is compassionately love that person now, mm-hmm. in the here and now. Be in your shoes now. Help them cope with what they're dealing with now, um, rather than try to take it on. Because, But that's why I was asking the question early on, how do you separate that out as a parent? You're going to automatically feel that your children are a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. You're going to automatically feel like that other people are going to judge you as poor parents, which they do, which is not cool at all, by the way. If you're judging other parents because you think their child turned out horrible and yours turned out great, you need to instead be counting your blessings and naming them one by one rather than judging that other parent because it could have just as easily been you. And so I I think I'm leaning more into the compassion. You know, in this past message that we did out of Mark 2, verses 40, Mark 1, verses 40 through 45, really leaned heavy into the compassion that Jesus had. And you see that through all of the New Testament, that his compassion that he offered to people. Um, And if we're going to be like Christ... Mm -hmm. That means we should have compassion. It's just a little more difficult depending on how close that loved one is to you, right? Yeah. And can you imagine if God sat around saying, oh, these people in my image that I created are a reflection of me. Oh, they're, 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 they're so poorly reflecting me right now. And, and, and instead of reaching out with that compassion that Jesus did right. and meeting right. us where we are. Let me help you in this discipleship journey. You've made some poor decisions. Now help. let me help you point back in the right direction. Jeff, you were getting ready yeah, to... So you you mentioned at the beginning, you were talking about, you used the word judgment, feeling judged. Um, and, and having this conversation right now that y'all are doing that on back and forth, what about the son or daughter or child who looks back at the parent when they when they come before them and, and call them on something they're seeing in their life and they're saying, well, all you're doing is judging me. And and I heard y'all using some. I would like to hear even y'all talk about that. What for putting yourself in the shoes of the people who are being talked to about that? I've I've heard that a lot. You're, yeah, you're so just judging me. Just like Nate said, you have to look at the intention of the heart. Um, you have to if you're receiving this calling out. You know, if you if you hear this, number one, most people. I might could say all people, but I'll kind of leave. Most people cannot stand authority. In their lives. Mm-hmm. So when any authoritative person says something into your life, you're going to automatically bristle. And so um, what you need to do, and what I've had to learn to do, and I'm, I'm getting up there in age. <laughs> Some people will listen to this and go, what are you talking about, you young whippersnapper? But, um, they just can't see on the podcast is the problem. I know. That great hair is on the side of my head. I've had to learn to listen for the truth in what's being said. So if someone, whether they lovingly say it to me and bring me along in it or whether they come down hard on me I need to take a moment and step back and say what is actually in the truth of what they're saying Mm -hmm. and that's difficult to receive from someone who's been an authoritative figure in your life your whole life and so uh, what I would recommend is finding another trusted godly person Mm-hmm. not the culture, not the ones that are whispering in your ear the things you want to hear, but go say, hey, my parents said this 
Um, does this sound right? Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I would say. Do I would say I have a couple things on my mind. First and foremost, I think that that is the the benefit and value of a community of faith to be around you. That it's multiple people that hopefully can be speaking into your life and looking at things. Um, I would also say, you know, if regardless of which position we're in here. Um, in terms of the person who's struggling in a particular sin area or the, or the family member of one or close person. Um, I think one place to look is spend some time, I would say spend some time reading Luke 15 um, and store the prodigals there because I think there's a couple things that we need to be reminded of. First, just the incredible um, just love and compassion that the father in the story in that parable chose he pursued his son when he came back. He ran after him. Even we're talking about reputation. If you if you read much into that, that was not considered a, a dignified thing for a person to do. But at that position, I know I'm thinking, hey, this is my son or daughter who's kind of who's wandered into sin and is coming back. You know, forget my reputation. Like I'm, you know, run to them. Uh, let that be known to the people in your life that you care more about them and them living in a God honoring way than you do anything what anybody thinks about you. Mm. Um, let that find a way for that to be evident in the way that you talk to them. And then also for the person who's in sin, you know, in, in whatever kind of sin you, it might be. We need to trust that, you know, that and pray that God is going to make them aware of that. Again, going back to that that parable, they came to their senses is what it says. And they realized they had rebelled, left their father. You know, just I think it's just this picture of what it is. You know, they're in a pigsty and you know, wishing for food that pigs would eat. And it says that they came to their senses and they acted in a manner of repentance after that and going back to their family. Um, and, but even in that, when you're talking about the, the responses of others, be reminded that there's three people in that parable too. There's the parable uh, in that parable. There's the older brother who was judging and feeling frustration over grace shown by his father, because he's like, Hey, I've always kept all the rules. So I think we also need to be careful that whether it's us or people in our family or others around us that, Hey, we've never done anything wrong. You know, we've always been the one that that's not a kind of God honoring spirit either. Um, whether that is because they've never, you know, they've just kept rules to keep rules and they've never really understood kind of the gospel message or whether it is they've grown cold to that and that seeing repentance and someone return from sin does not lead them to rejoice in it. Then that should be something. Uh, and, and maybe that's us. If, if we don't feel that way, um, we need to kind of be checking our, our, our spirit there. Yeah. yeah, and I think the follow-up to that would be, good point, by the way, um, is something else that in that question you asked, uh, Satan's number one tool, his go-to tool. Like, I do a lot of my own work on my cars, mm -hmm. and I have a go-to tool that I use for almost everything. Is it YouTube? No, it's Hammer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have a go-to tool that, that I use uh, all the time. It's the first one I pull out of the drawer regardless of what the job is going to be. Mm -hmm. And for Satan, his number one tool that he always goes to is division. It, it, you see it in the church, you see it in families, you see it in marriages, you see it in relationships, you see it in the workplace. It's division. And we are constantly needing to combat. You talk about it being a war. Combat that division. Don't play into it. Don't be the one, if you're the one that's being called out, don't play into that division. And if you're the one that's having to go to someone that you love and say, hey, look, I've noticed this, I need to help you with that, don't play into the division. 
be a unifier, be a be a one that's coming with an intention of heart to to win that person back to the way of Christ, and it leans heavily into compassion and understanding that anyone who's going through anything, I too could have faced that exact same thing. I'm not above any sin in this world. The only thing that has pulled me out of the pit of the muck and the mire, if I heard old time people say, um, is Christ Himself and my relationship yeah. with Him, and all the glory goes to Him. But I, th- I think we can um, to kind of hammer down on Jeff's question a little bit more. Is that your tool? Well. Hammer down? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> our fear in Christian circles of judging and being labeled a judge kind of keeps us from speaking truth into people's life quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's a huge misunderstanding of what Jesus talked about when he said, judge not, or you too will be judged for the same measure that you judge will be judged back to you. Then he says, um, don't remove... Don't try to remove the uh, the speck from somebody else's eye when there's a log sticking out of your own. And the fifth verse of Matthew 7 says, um, you hypocrite, first remove the log from your own eye so you can see clearly to remove the splinter from your brothers. He was calling us not to just point out other people's sin while we're doing those things. So yes, the parent who says, hey, I've noticed you've been smoking pot. That's a bad idea. But the parent smokes pot on the back porch. You know, that, that's not that's not a... They don't have yeah, a lot of room to stand on. Yeah, you're too young for that kind yeah. of thing. Um, versus, um, I've dealt with these things in my life. Even if you have done some of the things, parents, if you if you cohabitated before you were married, and now your kid's doing that, but you've your life is right with God now, and you've surrendered to Him, a lot of parents feel like they can't say anything about things that they did too. You can, yes. um, you can, you can mm-hmm. speak from experience of the damage that it caused and so forth. But you're also and, speaking from the truth of what the, you've learned. Scripture is yes, mm-hmm. and then the other thing. Um, I kind of want to hear you, you guys' opinion on, because I've seen two different examples, and I think it's got to be somewhere in the middle, but two different examples of how parents have responded to people living outside of God's will. And, and they're both trying to help, or, or they're both trying to show love to the, to the kid and the boy they know how. One I of think those, they're both trying to correct. Yes, or correct. Yeah. Um, but I've seen people go so far to kind of em- explain away Scripture and embrace who their child is now in whatever they've chosen to do, that they've kind of just swept truth under the rug. And that's kind of extreme, um, but that way they can still reconcile with, oh, we, we still love God and everything else, so we're doing this, to the detriment of their child. And then all the way to the other end of the spectrum, they'll even use the prodigal son to say, well, the, the dad didn't go out and find him. He had to come repent first. That's why he ran to him and showed him love, because he knew he had a repentant heart. And they forget about the shepherd going after that sheep that wasn't looking mm-hmm. to be rescued, mm-hmm. and um, and so there's two different two different things going there. But I'll say, I'll hear parents say, um, "I love them, I want them to come back, but I don't want to enable them. If I give them something, or if I help them in this way, then then I'm just I'm I'm you know kind of an accessory after the fact to their sin right. um, for for helping them. If 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 they're struggling, they should struggle. They should hit rock bottom, and then they'll come back." Uh, they got to get to that place in the pigsty first, well, and they it miss goes, the heart of the Father. It goes to just how evil the world has become mm-hmm. and how sneaky and cunning it is because there is great confusion. You know, we, God's not in confusion. Scripture mm-hmm. teaches us that. And so when we're, we're uber-confused, um, we have to understand that it's coming from... Um, not from God, but it's coming from things of the world, things of the culture. 
and uh, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Is it? Uh, is it our? Sp- you, I guess yeah, is yeah, it our I, responsibility? Yeah, to get our kids to rock bottom and to teach them a lesson, or or is that outside of who we are and we just express oh, truth? Yeah. Thank yeah, you for so, that reminder. Yeah, I think that there is a place for us to confront sin. There's a place for us to pursue um, those who are in any sort of sinful pattern in life and following after it. I think that, uh, I feel weird plugging, but you know, um, a while back, there's a sermon I had here from Luke 15, that's why I was thinking about this, but one of the things when I was reading and talking about that was the older brother, he stayed at home, he was doing what he should, and really was kind of, um, really loved reading this one thing where the kind of, what it said was, what should have been the response to the older brother would have been to go search out his younger brother. It wasn't to stay at home, continue doing it. He should have been looking for him. Now, when he, let's imagine he did find him in this, uh, you know, pigsty where he's working. He's not going to be able to make him repent and come back, but he could have been there searching for him. It's still going to take that work of God for him, you know, where uh, Paul says, you know, it's godly grief or godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's still going to have to happen. But his older brother, I feel like when you read that parable, he should have been looking for them. And when he did repent, he should have been there to walk back with him to his It's father. at the end of the day, we are all responsible for ourselves mm-hmm. and how we're responding in our walk with Christ. That's... Yeah. I would say we're responsible for ourselves, but I do think we have a responsibility well, to I mean, other believers, he, too. He, he disconnected himself so yeah. much. Yeah in that. That's kind of where yeah, I was yeah. going with that. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. If, yeah, we have responsibility my for kid, ourselves. Yeah. If my kid one day, one of my kids, one of my three, go astray, they're following the world and everything else, and I continue to bring them to every family function, to do all the things that we do, they're always welcome in my house type thing. Does I think some parents have that question. Does that in some way... Um, negate and I'm not bailing them out of jail or anything, but you know, like helping them when they have needs and things like that. Does that somehow keep God off their radar? Um, and they feel like they they can have their cake and eat it too type thing. Or is that me showing them that nothing is outside of, of the love I have for them? Like, so that, I think that's a question that people maybe mm-hmm. even listening are struggling with. How do I deal with and show love mm-hmm. and yet correction and truth at mm-hmm. the same time? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have the perfect answer for that. That's why I'm throwing it out. Yeah. Well, you're going to lean into the Spirit's guidance on that, taking the total counsel of the Scripture, mm-hmm. that you can't be so involved in their lifestyle that you are appearing as if you're part of it, too. To give affirmation to Yeah, to give affirmation to it. But at the same time, um, if you're going to say, yeah, you're always welcome in my home, the truth discussion can't stop. Yeah. You have to you have to say, okay, you were in my home this past week. Let's go out for coffee and let's talk. Where are you in your life on this particular thing? Remember, this is what Scripture says. Again, you're always welcome in my home, but I want to bring you back to what Scripture says. And I think another thing that helps is taking people beyond what Scripture says and going down the path of why it says it. Mm-hmm. I think we miss that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. What's the meat behind why it's saying what it's saying? Um, you know, why did 
God's. He wasn't just some God that made these guidelines that said, if you go outside these, you know, I can't stand you anymore. He had reason behind the guidelines he gave. He's trying to give a reflection back to um, what things were like in the garden, but he's got guidelines now to protect us from the destruction that comes from not following his path. So I think it's a, it's a, to answer your question, it's an ebb and flow, a constant moving in and out. You can't settle at mm-hmm. any given moment of saying, we have arrived at this is our new rhythm in life. Because as long as someone's living outside of the will of the Lord, you're not going to find rhythm. You won't have true fellowship. With right. Them you won't have yeah. true fellowship, yeah. and you're not going to find rhythm. But understand that mm-hmm. and then live in and out of that as you're loving on them, as you're showing them truth, as you're loving on them, as you're showing them truth. And there may be those times you have to make hard decisions to say, this particular uh, event, um, yeah, you, you can't come if you come demonstrating and modeling that lifestyle yeah, I think to that, my family. That influence mm-hmm. as right. well would be something to add to. If you still, if you had this one child and they're oh, the adult, mm-hmm. always welcome in my house is an easy thing to say versus you still have kids that you're raising. Um, if it's if it's being, whatever that is, is being glorified in some sense to the younger yeah. children. You need to be okay to say, I love you and you're wrong. Yeah, and I think that to, you know, you're going to have to be okay with the fact that that is going to cause some level of kind of difficulty in a relationship. You know, Paul, um, I was just reading here a minute ago, in Second Corinthians, if you know much about the church in Corinth, I mean, Paul was writing harshly, not harshly, but writing truthfully to some things they were doing that they should not do. And he says in the second letter, follow-up, he says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. Hmm. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss from us. And that's when he continues to say, the godly grief leads to repentance that leads to salvation. And so that idea of Paul saying, I I know it hurt, It, it wasn't easy to say, but at the end of the day, I'm not upset that you were grieved by it because that grief led you to repentance. Yeah, that's good. And I, I'm going to kind of be quiet here, but I want to throw something out there and let you guys just kind of talk about it for a second. But I want Peninsula to be a place where people feel comfortable in community to be able to share with one another the struggles that we're having. Because a lot of times we put on a mask when we walk through the door, like, how you doing? I'm mm-hmm. doing great. You know, but we're dying inside because of something that's going on. And talk a little bit into the community of what the community of the believers is supposed to be. And not that we've arrived, not that we're going to be there soon, but the direction we want to head in in being a community where we are okay with and feel safe. That's the big thing. Feel safe to be able to do life together. Well, Daniel, I think first of all, um, the way, and and it's hard to do as human beings because we, we can easily change things about our body language and the way we talk and the level of confidence we give um, so easy that uh, we think somebody hasn't picked up on it, but they do pick up on it. So if you're in, if you're in a connect group or you're in a, you have a friendship or relationship and you have one idea of this other person and their family, and then they share something, they drop a bombshell um, that shows that yes, they are human too. And maybe this ideal of what you thought their family unit was or how their kid was or this or that um, changes for you. Um, 
you've got to combat the kind of the struggle as a human to distance yourself or, or, or respond to them differently and all that kind of stuff, because you may need them one day to lean on in the same fashion. And so to, to not be surprised, one of the, one of the things in youth ministry, I tell small group leaders is no matter what your student confides in you, um, you need to never look shocked by it, to understand that a human being can do any given thing at any given time because uh, we are in a fallen body, even though we have uh, power over sin with the Holy Spirit, sometimes we choose to not utilize the power over sin in the Holy Spirit, and we make a mistake. Um, or there's somebody within that family who is who is not a believer, and they are are still um, set up. Scripture says as enemies of the cross, they're they're diametrically opposed to what God wants to do in their life at the moment. And to hear that somebody is struggling with something in a family, or they just don't feel like they can talk to anybody. And then that's the last deep conversation you have with them um, will just keep them from sharing in the future. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've got to let people know it's a safe place. And then we have to be that safe ear for them, even if we don't know the answers. Yeah. I remember several years back, um, I had graduated college, had started at uh, Southeastern and was starting a new small group in our church. And I remember it because I walked into the small group for the first time sit down and we break off and the the men and women are grouped for its kind of time of accountability and prayer for one another. And this is my first time sitting in this living room. And a guy begins to confess um, a particular sin that he was struggling with to these guys. And I'm sitting there and I was on, I almost felt awkward or I did feel awkward because I, I've, I met you like three minutes ago for the first time ever. And he's talking and I realized you know, it's not because, you know, we have this great rapport, but he does have a great rapport with this group of people. And by the nature of me coming into it, I even felt, man, this guy is trusting me um, because I'm a part of this community here, uh, that I am someone he can say this in front of, and it's not going to, you know, be held against him, kind of blasted out to other people, et cetera. But he felt an ability to confess sin in front of other people and ask for help in it. And I think that that's what we need to be doing more of in big and small ways. And as we do that, then it becomes more natural. When we can confess a you know a, a frustration or anger that popped up over things in our house, and kind of you know, or a, a pattern we see in our life, and ask for other believers to pray for us about that or something, you know, as we grow in that, then it doesn't seem odd to talk about big things that we're struggling with, whether that's I'm personally struggling in sin or I'm struggling with seeing the sin of someone else in my life, and I need to be able to walk in, in grace and truth with them. And we can ask for other people to pray for us and be a part of that. I think when we build that, it, it does. if we just try to drop it in some major thing in our life and we've never done that before, it's going to feel odd for everybody. But as we begin to do that in all of life and know that we are not meant to do it by ourselves. Scripture uses that phrase one another all the time uh, and that we need each other. Uh, We have to push back against this very individualistic kind of part of life that we see around us and say, I need to rely on other people uh, if I'm going to make it through. And people can feel like a failure when they're in that, even vicariously through their children and so forth. And I've I've seen that time and time again, they feel like Mm -hmm. they're a failure. Um, to take a different analogy, if you were, if you were a ship's captain, and the fact that we hear that you weathered a storm and went through a storm, we're not going to say you're a bad captain because somehow a storm came up and you weren't able to avoid the storm 
entirely. Like you're a good captain because during the storm, you didn't give up and you didn't allow the ship to sink and you did the things necessary that a good captain does during those storms. If you're biblically um, loving on your kids, um, using the scripture that Jeff read earlier, um, scripture for reproof and correction and for instruction and righteousness, even during the storms you're facing, that's what a good parent does, just like a good captain. It doesn't mean your kids are always perfect little angels in a row that you can model to the rest of the world and to the church. It just means that you're going to approach the difficulties that you do face as parents biblically and with love and not using the Bible as a hammer, but using the Bible as a rod or a staff that brings people back into line with with what Scripture says, even if the moral free agents of your children decide not mm-hmm. to heed that correction, you're giving it, mm-hmm. and you're giving it in a way where you're speaking truth and love. We need, again, that attitude of we rejoice in seeing repentance and people turning from sin, whether that's like the parables, like you're talking about, them pursuing uh, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost brother, whether that's Paul looking at the church in Corinth and saying, some of you were in this sin but are no more. And that should be something that we rejoice in and we um, we help people with. We build them up. We pray for them. We continue to walk alongside of them. And when we see people turn from sin, it shouldn't be about what they've done. We shouldn't be, you know, or what their family or how they got there. We should just be rejoicing that they have um, they've turned from that and they've followed after Christ. And that should be the the kind of normal culture and rhythm of our church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Uh, you're part of the reason that I love working here is just your heart, um, that you have a heart of compassion uh, for those that were shepherding and that were leading. I was reminded as I was listening to you talk about the shepherding of Christ, about his compassion, and uh, the fact that we are to bear one another's burdens with one another. So probably one of the biggest things we would pull out of this today is if you are struggling with someone who's choosing not to walk with the Lord, to not do that alone. Don't be a loner in that, but to lean into the body. One of the reasons that Christ created the church was that we would have one another, to lean on one another and to carry the burden with one another, because I really feel that in today's church setting, we tend to think we need to come through the church doors uh, presenting ourselves as perfect. And I think in so doing, we rob the power of the grace of Christ that we all are blemished and are all in need of a Savior. And so because of that, we can come together uh, to to walk with one another, to share with one another, to confess with one another, and to carry one another's burdens, and to realize that no one is above anyone else, and that we all walk arm in arm into this life. So thank you guys for being here today. Uh, what a phenomenal discussion as we learn a little bit more about becoming like Christ. Um, to others. And thank you for listening today to this podcast. We're looking forward to the future podcast, and we welcome, as always, any feedback that you would like to give us, questions, comments. Uh, In a few weeks, we will be revisiting some of the questions from the Q&A that came to the pastors a few weeks back. So continue to listen. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and I hope you have an incredibly blessed week.